Well, I want to start out today by just saying a special welcome to everybody joining us online. We're glad that you guys are with us today. Um, I want to read, um, kind of to kick off this talk, I want to read a kind of lengthy portion of Scripture. And so if you would uh, be willing to, I'm not going to put them up on the screen, but if you'd be willing to open up your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 7. Uh, if you want to use one of our Bibles, uh, they are found underneath your chair. It's found on page 721. You can flip right there. You can open up your smartphone if you have the U version. which, by the way, I just want to challenge you, church family, that if you don't read God's Word on a regular basis, I would challenge you to do that. I would encourage you to download the U version Bible app. In fact, i got to be honest, I have several Bibles, like hard copy Bibles. I don't really use any of them anymore. Um, I honestly use my smartphone. Uh, it's U version Bible app. It gives devotionals on there. Um, you can look up any different kind of version of the Bible that you want on there. It's a free app. I would encourage you to do that. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you do that as well. But if you want a Bible, maybe you go, I don't have a smartphone. Take one of our Bibles because reading God's Word is important. We need to be doing it. So while you flip there, uh, uh, page 721, I just want to, real quick, before I dive into this, I want to take a moment to celebrate something that I think is important. Um, many of you might know, some of you probably don't know, that we have a student ministry here called Fusion 412, and it's uh, for kids in 6th grade all the way through 12th grade, and they had their, you know, kind of big kickoff this past week, um, and they had over 127 students uh, show up, which is really cool, um, amazing, yeah, and then not only that, but really what was really awesome was that they had six kids who made decisions for Christ, which I just think is incredible, something worth celebrating. Uh, I was talking to them about this, and what I think is amazing is, um, and I did uh, student ministry for several years with my first uh, job here at the church, and, and I have a heart and a passion for it, but there was 55 adult volunteers who came and served, and so I just want to say to those of you who serve in Fusion, you are making a huge difference. Thank you for what you do, and if you are a student in 6th or 12th grade, and you are not attending Fusion 412 here at the Hastings campus on Sunday nights, Middleville, they do Wednesday nights, um, and Delton's going to be kicking off soon as well. I would encourage you to get plugged in, to get involved. It's an incredible, incredible ministry, um, and I would just encourage you to check it out. I think it's an important thing. So, um, so let's dive into Luke chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 36. This is what it says. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home, and he sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city had heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debt. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, 
So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. So, so there's a lot to kind of pick up in this story as you read it. And I think probably the more that I've read the story throughout the week, the more I've gained from the story. But um, so this guy by the name is Simon, he's a Pharisee. And a Pharisee was known as kind of the religious people of the day. They were kind of known as the people who had the inside track to God. Like they thought that they were, in a lot of ways, they thought they were better than everybody else around them. They were kind of like the pastors of, of, of today, as far as that's kind of where they were in their ranking, as far as that they had this inside track, and everybody looked upon them as they had the inside track, and yet they actually felt like they did have the inside track, like I am better than. And so this Pharisee invites Jesus, because he hears about how Jesus is, and how he's this prophet, and he says that he is the son of God, and he knows all these things, and he wants to have a meal with him, and so he invites him in. And what was fascinating about the story is as they're eating this meal, this woman walks in, which for the first time I read it, I thought, it's kind of weird that this, this lady, and not only a lady, but she was a prostitute, she walks into this guy's home, which was actually, when you know the background of this, this kind of setting, this was a normal thing that people would kind of drop into these type of meals. And so this woman walks in, and she stands behind Jesus, and she begins to weep, and she begins to wash his feet, which again, if you were at a meal and some lady walked in and started washing your feet, you'd probably think that's a little creepy, right? But again, this was kind of a custom. This was a, a normal thing. See, this, this lady, she was a known prostitute in the town. And Simon says, okay, and let's just call her Betty for the sake of it. Not that there's anything wrong with the name Betty. If you're Betty, I'm sorry. But, but let's just call her Betty. And Simon notices Betty has come in. And everybody in the town knows who Betty is, that she is the known prostitute, that she is not a very clean lady, that she is a sinful woman, that she's kind of been around the block. And Jesus There's no way that Jesus could truly be who he says he is because he never would allow this. If Jesus is really the Messiah, Simon is thinking to himself, then Jesus would never allow a woman, a woman like this, a prostitute, to touch his feet, to clean his feet. And then Jesus kind of does something. He takes this man's perspective. He takes what would be probably most people's perspective. And he throws it back at him, and he begins to tell him this story about how these two people owe money. Now, when he talks about like 500 pieces of silver, one piece of silver would be equivalent to a day's wage. So in today's age, imagine that somebody loaned you 500 days, uh, that you, you, uh, an advancement of 500 days, and another guy an advancement of 50 days worth of work. And he says that neither of these two could actually pay them back. And so what the guy did is he looked at both of them, basically, and he said, don't worry about paying me back later. It's not like, you know, you can, you can do it later. He's just saying the whole debt has been canceled. You don't have to pay it back. So imagine with me that you do this and your friend does this, and I, as your boss, say to you, well, I'm going to just give you 500 days worth of wages, and you don't have to pay me back. And the other person, there's 50 days. Of course, both people would be grateful in that moment. But the person who got 500 days worth of pay for free would, of course, be more grateful, right? And then Jesus, he looks at this woman and he says this incredible thing. He says to this woman that your sins are actually forgiven. What I think that Jesus sees in this story and what I see that that Jesus actually sees in this woman is he sees as she walks into this place a woman that is broken. A woman who has heartbreak. And when, when she walks over to Jesus and she gets down at his feet and she is weeping and the tears are falling on, on, his, on his feet, it's not because, you know, she's thinking, oh, this is the Messiah, but she's thinking about all the sin that is in her life. She's thinking about the heartbreak that she has in her life. And the question for us today would be this. 
Do you see heartbreak in people? As you go through your days, as you walk through your school, young people, or as you go into college, or as you're in your daily job, or as you're you know, interacting with different moms or different dads, as you're interacting with your neighbors, do you see heartbreak around you? So we're in the series called Eyes Wide Open, and we're talking about living our lives the way that God intended for us to live. That for a lot of us, if we can just be honest, we, we walk through our days, or I know I do this, I walk through my days and sometimes my head is down and I'm not open to the things that God maybe wants me to see. I'm thinking about all the things that I need to accomplish, I'm thinking about all the tasks that need to get done, and that when we live with eyes wide open, we, we begin to see the things that maybe God desires for you to see. And that we're not just trying to get through our day, or we're not just trying to think about all the problems that we're facing in life. We're not trying to think about just our struggles that we have in life, even though those are real. But that when you live the way that God intends for you to live, when you live with eyes wide open, week one we talk about how you can actually see God. That, that you can actually say, in the midst of your day, I see God. If you are here last week, I talked about how i have been reminded of that by a double rainbow, right? I can't tell you how many people this week texted me and said, I saw a double rainbow, like they were everywhere, right? And I think, again, sometimes it's not as if they're not there. It's just sometimes it's this idea of noticing in your day, in the sunrise, in the sunset, in just the, the, the coolness of the day, whatever it might be for you, that God is present. That no matter what it is you're facing, that, that God is real. Week two, we talked about this idea that when you live with eyes wide open, you can actually see joy in your life. And I know for many of us, we go through our days and we would say, I, I don't have any joy in my life. I'm just struggling or I'm, I'm wrestling with this thing. But yet, when you live with eyes wide open, you can truly see joy. And so this week, I want to talk about this idea of that I think when you live with eyes wide open, you can see heartbreak in people around you. That when you live your life the way that God intends for you to live your life, that you will walk through your days and you will see people who are broken. When you live life the way that Jesus intends the way that he personally lived his life. When you live with eyes wide open, you see people's heartbreak around you. You become aware of it. See, in this day and age, when this woman entered, nor, it would have been normal for Jesus to simply rebuke her because she was filthy, because she was nasty. She was not somebody who would normally be washing somebody else's feet. But when you look close at this lady, what you really see and what Jesus saw is her heartbreak, that she's broken from her choices. And she stands behind Jesus. She begins to weep, and honestly, she probably feels this utter sense of shame in her life. Shame is one of those things that I think the enemy wants you and I to feel on a regular basis. That you realize that shame is one of those things that comes up in your life that is not from God, that it's from our enemy, that, 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 that our enemy will shame us into not actually approaching God because we feel like we're not worth it. He shames us into thinking that our mistakes are way too big for God. He shames us into saying things like this, you're really still struggling with that? Uh, hasn't it been like a year? Hasn't it been two years? You're still walking through that sin in your life? You're still struggling with that? I mean, look at what you just said to your kids again. You just blew up on them. Look how you're mistreating your spouse. Look how you're doing this thing or that thing. And I just want to remind you today that it's a lie. That we should never allow shame to keep us from pursuing Jesus. So this woman, she walks into a religious dinner but what she ends up bumping into is a relationship with God. See, this is the power. It's the power of Jesus. The power of us in our lives actually choosing to see heartbreak around us. That she walked in weeping, but yet in moments, she begins worshiping at the feet of Jesus. And of course, you know that this, that whenever there is worship, there is 
also people around who begin to whisper, right? And the Pharisees are whispering about, can you believe that Betty is here at the feet of Jesus? Can you believe that this woman, this detestable woman, is here worshiping Jesus? She is filthy. She's not deserving of it. And this is exactly what the Pharisees are doing. They're whispering. So let me just pause and ask. Am I living my life? Are you living your life like Jesus was? Where when you bump into somebody, maybe it's an inconvenience for you, that you're noticing the heartbreak in that person? Or are we living our lives too often like the Pharisees were and we whisper about them instead? And don't answer too fast. Young people in school, when, when you're going through your day, are you whispering about other kids that annoy you, that, that say things that just get on your nerves? Are you whispering about them? Are you noticing them and coming alongside of them? Do, do you see what's really going on inside of their lives? Or are you quick to judge at work? Do you know your coworker's story? Do, do you know what they're really walking through? Do you know the season of life that they're in? Or do you just think that they're plain and simply annoying? Are you willing to actually get to know them? Are you willing to walk alongside them? And what you might learn is that maybe they've just lost their mom to cancer. Maybe what you might learn is that their marriage is actually falling apart. What you might learn, young people, is that you have a young person who is actually contemplating suicide, and yet we are too busy to see the heartbreak in them. We're too focused on ourselves, and so what, what do we do? We, we whisper about them instead. See, religion always judges, and a relationship always will extend grace. I hope you get this. The power of Jesus verse the perceived power of the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees think that they have an inside track to God. They think that they have it made. They think that they are better than. They think that they have this inside track to God. In fact, if you want to know about God, you come and talk to me as a Pharisee. And yet they didn't even know that they're sitting with the Son of God. Think about that. They think they have this inside track to God, and yet they don't even know that they're sitting actually at the feet of the Son of God. And they're, they're judging this woman. Because religious people are great judges of other people's sins, and they become great lawyers of their own sins. In other words, they aren't living their life with eyes wide open. But Jesus is. Jesus notices this woman. And the point that I'm trying to make is that I think sometimes we get this mixed up, that the church isn't going to grow just from the spiritual elites. But I think the church is going to grow from God bringing in very broken people, which when you think about it, it's me. It's you. We're all broken. And this is why we strive to be a serving church for the unchurched because I think that we're actually called to see the heartbreak around us. I think that you are called, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, I think it is part of your job. If you want to live the way that God intends for you to live with eyes wide open, to see people around you who are broken hearted. Because we're all broken. And at times I like to act like I have it all together. At times, people who are broken tend to act like they have it all together, when in reality, we don't. And I think that if we're honest, for many of us, we would rather live our lives with our head down and not noticing the heartbreak around us. In fact, that is kind of our first response, right? All of a sudden, you're, you're, you're watching the TV, and all of a sudden, there's something that comes on TV that shows some type of heartbreak, and maybe they're asking you for some money, or they're asking you to help, you know, this thing or that thing. And what do we tend to do? We tend to flip the station because we don't want to see it. Or we maybe get annoyed by it. Or all of a sudden you're driving down the road and you see somebody stuck on the side of the road and they have a flat tire and you think to yourself, well, 
Somebody else will stop. I got to keep going. I got this next thing I got to get to, or I got to go to this thing, or I have this thing going on. I'm not saying that our job is to fix all their problems, but I think our job is to live like Jesus did and to see the heartbreak, to be open to the heartbreak. I'm not saying our job is to fix it all, but I think it's to be open to people, people who are lost, people who are lonely, people maybe that we don't understand because you are their hope, not because of you, but because of Jesus through you. Hear me on this. Unless we choose to live with eyes wide open, unless, I'm just telling you, I know how I go through my day, I know how some of you go through your days, unless we are really open to living our lives with eyes wide open, I think we're going to miss these people. I think we're going to miss the opportunity to share that although this time might be difficult, although this time might be tough, that God loves them and that there is actually hope for their life. Somebody's going to walk into this campus, maybe somebody's already walked into this campus today, or they're going to walk in another week, and they're going to be so lost and so broken. And I pray that as a church, we are more like Jesus than like the Pharisees. That we are some club that you have to act a certain way in order to fit in. That you got to do all these things. you got to jump through all these hoops in order to be a part of what we are doing. No, you can come just as you are. That you can come, you can be a part of what we're doing. You don't have to fit in. You don't have to be a certain way. And maybe they don't smell the freshest, but that they're told. They were told that TBC is a place that they can go to where they'll be loved. Where they'll be accepted where people will notice the heartbreak in their life. They won't be judged. I pray that we're that church. I pray that we're a church that actually sees heartbreak. I want you to watch what Jesus does. He's not quick to judge. He doesn't sit there and say, hey, why don't you tell me all of your sins? Why don't you confess everything for me? He just allowed her to be present. He allowed her to be there. See, relationship says, it doesn't matter what you've done. You're welcome here. I think too often times the church is looked at as this place where you have to be spiritually elite to be in, not a place where you're just broken. I think, I think it's the wrong view of church. I think sometimes, again, this is what the Pharisees thought, is that this is a place, if you're going to come to Jesus or if you're going to get in with us, that you have to get your act together, that you have to have all these things figured out. And I think sometimes the church is looked upon as this place where you have to have it all together in order to be a part of us. And I think it's completely wrong. For me personally, I don't come here because I have it all together. I come here because I'm broken just like every one of you. That I'm in need of a Savior. So again, let me just pause and ask. Are you seeing heartbreak around you? I want you to think about this past week. Were you aware of the people that you interacted with? What really was going on in their life? Were you aware of that maybe something deeper was happening in the conversation that you were having at school? Or were you just fed up with how this kid was treating you? Were you just sick and tired of this person always cracking jokes? Or were you just annoyed with your coworker all the time? This past week, i got to be honest because I knew I was preaching on it. I've tried to be more open to this. This is one of those things I struggle with. I'm, 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 too, I'm too busy in my life. i got too much that I need to accomplish where I've had to just stop and just ask myself, Joe, are you, are you aware of what's happening in people's lives? Because you know that this is true. Many times we bump into people, we ask how they're doing, and they say, I'm fine. Right? I mean, some of you today, you've walked in here, and you are broken, you are hurting, you have something going on so deep in your life, you have this pain that is happening inside of you. And somebody asked you, they said, how are you doing today? And you just said, I'm I'm good, I'm fine. And you smiled, and you put on the front, but on the inside, you're broken. On the inside, you don't know if you can get through it. 
On the inside, you're really not fine. And many times what happens is later we find out that that person, they really weren't fine. And we say, well, maybe they should have told me. I mean, they should have told me that they weren't fine. And I would say that maybe we just should have had our eyes a little more open. And maybe we should have just been a little bit more aware of their situation. See, some heartbreak, it's evident, right? Like you hear the story, you see the issue, and we think, you know, in those middle of those things, like, I mean, I see the heartbreak, I should do something about it, I can, I can help out. You know, and a lot of times we're aware of the heartbreak that is around us, but sometimes we're not aware of it. Sometimes it's hidden. Young people, there are people in your schools currently right now who are contemplating suicide, and nobody has a single clue because we're all so busy. We all have so much stuff happening in our life. I guarantee somebody this weekend who's here at one of our campuses is contemplating suicide and nobody around them has any clue that they're having those thoughts inside their head. Nobody knows. And I would contemplate one of the reasons why we don't know is because we aren't open to it. That at times in my life, I go through my life and I'm just so busy and yeah, I'll ask you how you're doing, but honestly, I'm thinking about the next thing I gotta get to. I'm thinking about this thing. I'm thinking about that thing. Young people, there are people in your schools that you need to see their heartbreak. For some of you, it's the guy at work who's simply falling apart. Their marriage is on the rocks. A family member that is truly struggling. And I think if we're living with eyes wide open, I think we become more aware of the heartbreak that is around us. So how do we do this? How do we live this way that God intends for us to live? And I know some of you are thinking, okay, Joel, well, what do I got to do? I mean, how, how do I become more aware around me? I have a couple thoughts with that. First one is just this. I think if you're going to see heartbreak, I think the first thing that you have to understand is seeing it does not mean that you have to fix it. I actually think one of the reasons why we don't see heartbreak or we're not aware of it or we put our heads down and we don't really want to see it is because we feel like if I see it, then I'm going to actually have to do something about it, right? And if I do something about it, it's going to cost me and it's going to cost me financially. It's going to cost me my time. And so what we do is we see the struggle in life and we think, well, I have to fix it and I don't have time to fix it. And so I think, well, I'm just not going to see it. I'm just going to put my head down. Or I might kind of sense that there's some heartbreak over there, but I don't really want to dive into it because what is it going to cost me? And I think one of the things that we have to give ourselves permission is that our job is not to fix people. In fact, I actually think it's pretty arrogant when I think I can fix you. It's arrogant if you think you could fix your friends. It's arrogant if you think you can fix your spouse because we're not that great in life. But I think our job is to ask God, God, how do you want me to respond in the midst of this. God, what is it that you want me to do in this situation? It doesn't mean that we can fix everybody's problem, but what we tend to do because we think this, what I tend to do often is I shut down. I shut off. I'm not open to it. An example of this, a couple of weeks ago I was having a conversation with, with somebody and we were talking, and I, I don't remember what the conversation necessarily was about, but in the middle of the conversation, this, this lady uh, says to my, my wife and I, she, she says, yeah, she goes, uh, so my landlord texted me the other day and, and he told me that I owed him and she told us the amount of money that she was owed. Like, I don't remember how much it was. And she was just like so frustrated with her landlord for him asking her for money. And I'm just going to be honest with you, my first initial thought was going, well, probably the reason why your landlord is asking you for money is because you owe him money. Like, he's not doing anything wrong. Like, and I, I remember just kind of thinking to myself, oh, really, you're complaining because you owe money and you probably owe it, right? And, and she began to kind of tell us this story about how, yeah, wait, I owe money. And we got, went, went on, started talking about other things. And at the very end of the conversation, she says to us, she says, so yeah, if you guys know of anybody who could help me with my rent situation, let me know. 
And instantly, I had this sense of like, are you serious? Like, you're asking me? I don't, and I, I honestly, the first time I ever met this lady, I'm like, I don't even know who you are. And you're asking me for money. And I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but all of a sudden, I, I walked away from that conversation, and I was truly annoyed. I was like, why is she asking me, my wife, for money? And then I had to remind myself, am I open to what's really going on here? Is there something bigger happening here? God, God, is there something that you actually want me to see? And as I began to think about this, this lady's situation, I mean, she's a single mom. She's working several jobs. She's stressed out in life. And, and of course, I don't think my job is to fix her. I don't think my job is to necessarily, you know, pay her rent or do something like that. But the point is that my job is to be open to it, to see the heartbreak, to point her to the one who can truly heal her brokenness inside. And I got to tell you, I've been, try, I've been trying to be more open to this, and it's difficult for me. And I think a permission that you have to give yourself is that just because you're open to seeing heartbreak around you does not mean that you have to fix everybody around you. You don't have to do more and more. You don't have to neglect your family, but you should see it. Don't turn away from it. And then point them in the right direction. This is what it says in the book of John. It says, I have told you these things so that in me that you may have peace. And he says this, in this world... You will have trouble, but take heart. He says, I've overcome the world. He doesn't say that you've overcome the world. He doesn't say that you have the power to help that person overcome the thing that they're going through. No, he's saying that Jesus is the one. Jesus is the fixer, not us. And maybe in the midst of seeking God, he tells you to do something. Maybe he tells you just to simply see it, to acknowledge it. But I personally think many of you can relate to this. You've been asked way too much for money. You've been asked way too much for your time. And so what happens is you become hard. You might not even know it, but you become hard to this. You're sick of everybody saying that, hey, can you fund me for this? Can you help for this? And you've stopped seeing the things that God wants you to see. i got to be honest with you. I'm guilty of this. I'm going to give you a little true confession time here. Um, You know, I think that there are great causes out there. Don't get me wrong. I think there's great things that you can give towards. I think there's, there's great opportunities for us to, to bless people. Um, and, and many years ago, there's this thing that came up called GoFundMe, right? And it was this, this organization, and basically, you know this, you can go on, you can tell people, hey, can you help me fund this thing? And there's amazing things on that thing. I mean, someone, I just saw one the other day, someone like lost everything in a fire, and so they had to go fund me to help this person to, to you know, raise money so that they can you know, pay for the things, the, the necessities in life. But sometimes I look at these things, and I, I'm like, really, you're asking for that? And I think sometimes what happens is I, I look at some people like asking for money to go travel the world. And I'm like, really? Like, you want me to fund your, you know, dream vacation? I want to go on that vacation, right? Or, I, you know, they want you to pay for their college education, right? And for many people, and maybe I'm the only one who feels this way, but I kind of become cynical to it. And I'm just like, go fund yourself, right? Like, like do something else. Like, I, I'm, no, I don't want to pay for your college education. I, t- I paid for my own, right? Or some of you, if you're like old school, you're thinking, like, shouldn't you get a job? Like, you could do it that way. My wife actually sent me this picture. You might enjoy this 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 past week. It just said, this is GoFundMe in 1989, right? (laughs) And sometimes I, you know, and and don't don't take this the wrong way. I I think some of you, you're going, oh, geez, I have a GoFundMe page. I got to pull it down. I'm not saying that at all, okay? Just don't ask me to fund it. That's all I'm saying, okay? (laughs) But here's where I think I actually have failed. Because I've become cynical, because I I view some things as, really? Like, you want me to fund that? Really? You want me to pay for that? 
what happens for me anyway, maybe not for you, is I begin to close my eyes to all of it. I begin to just say, everybody is that way. I begin to say, well, if that's what people really want, then I'm not going to be open to it. And then true heartbreak comes along, where God is saying, Joel, I want you to be my hands. I want you to be my feet. I want you in this situation to show them my love. But I've shut down, I've closed my eyes, I've turned my back. And I just want to encourage you today that seeing is not fixing. Seeing heartbreak around you does not mean, and maybe for some of you, you can relate to this. I know some of you are going, this guy up up front is really cold. Like he is like cold-hearted, he doesn't want to fund anything. And probably some of that is true, and I'm just being authentic and real, is that sometimes I become hard to this stuff. And maybe for some of you, you've walked in this place and you feel the same way, that you've become so just shut off to it that you refuse to be open to the heartbreak around you. And maybe God is just speaking to you today saying, just because you see it doesn't mean that you need to fix it. I love this verse in the book of Romans. It says this. It says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. See, I don't think you can do that unless you are aware of people who are struggling in life. I don't think you can truly walk alongside people unless you really know what they're going through. And I think that this means is that we have to be aware of the brokenness around us. And simply sometimes it means walking with them, not fixing them. Sometimes, can I just tell you, sometimes all people need is for you to walk with them. Well, when I was 16, my, my dad passed away from cancer, and I got to tell you, I know that there were people who probably gave us money financially during that situation, but you want to know what I know more than anything? You want to know what I remember? Specifically, I remember people showing up to my house. I remember people coming over to my house and sitting with me. I remember friends showing up. I remember my family's friends showing up. I remember people just being there. I remember six months later when everybody else or a lot of people had forgotten that my dad had died, someone just texting me randomly and saying, hey, I'm thinking about you today. It didn't cost them anything other than taking their phone and texting me. It didn't cost them all that much time. And sometimes one of the things you need to know is that all people need sometimes is just for you to walk with them. Sometimes all people need for you to do is send them a text message. Sometimes all people need you to do is just show up at their house and just sit with them. That's all that people need sometimes. And yet for us, a lot of times in our lives, we're too busy for that, right? We have too much stuff going on, and yet if we're living with eyes wide open, I think we become aware of the heartbreak around us. And it doesn't mean you can fix it. It doesn't mean that you can heal that broken heart, but it means that you can point them to the one who does. In the book of Galatians chapter 6, it says this. It says, share with each other's burdens. You understand what that means, right? It means that you participate in it. It means that you're there. It means that you're present. It says, share with each other's burdens. And in this way, you obey the law of Christ. If you think that you are too important to help someone, I love this, you are only fooling yourselves. You are not that important. It's a good humble pie, right? See, sometimes we need to be reminded that you are not all that. I need to be reminded that I am not all that. And sometimes my job actually is to share in someone's burden. Some of you know people right now who are hurting. You know people who are going through something difficult in their, in their life, and you think you're too busy to walk alongside them. You are not that important. And if you are going to be Jesus' feet, if you're going to be his hands, if you're going to be there for people, see their heartbreak, walk with them in the midst of this. There's something about sharing the burden. It makes them feel like even though they're going through something difficult, that, that, that God is there, that, they are, that, that there is hope there, that you can walk with them through it. So, so if you can't fix them, then what can you do? My second thought would just be this, is that you, you got, can't really fix them, but what you can do is you can pray for them. I think we miss this often in life. You can and you should, if you're living with eyes wide open, pray for people who are broken. 
people need prayer. People need prayer. And I think sometimes, church, I just got to tell you this. Sometimes I think we, we think, well, I guess I'll resort to prayer. Yet, if you really believe what I believe, that there is a God who loves you so much, there's a God who loves me so much that he was willing to send his son, Jesus, to die on a cross. That he cares about every one of your burdens. He cares about every one of my burdens. If we really believe that, then why don't we go to God in the midst of people's heartbreak? Why don't we on their behalf approach the throne and just say, God, would you help? Would you walk with this person? Prayer is powerful. This is what it says in the book of James. It says this. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Prayer is powerful. See, God is the healer of the broken heart. And the way that we get to participate in it is not thinking that we have the way to fix them, but understanding that we know the person who has the way to fix them. But you know what we do, and I'm guilty of this, is we say, yeah, I'll I'll pray for that person. That's a good idea. And I mean it. I really want to. But how many of us, if we can be honest, we say to somebody who's brokenhearted, they tell us their story, and we say, you know, I'm going to pray for you. And we mean well by it, but we get busy. And if you're like me, I know there's been many times in my life where I've told somebody I'll pray for them, and I'm ashamed to say this, but I've done it. And I forget. Not because I didn't want to pray for them, but I forget. So how do you change that culture? Here's one of the ways you can change it, is that when you're talking with someone who's broken, don't say you're going to pray for them. Say, can I pray for you? And do it right there. And I know for some of you, you're like, oh boy, oh no, 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 I can't do that. I can't pray out loud. There you go. See, I don't even need to preach it. This lady down here is going to preach it for me. Yes, you can, right? If you believe that prayer works, I believe it works. I believe that we serve a God who loves us so much. If we really believe that, then one of the ways you can change that culture is just by get, beginning to say, hey, not, not I will pray for you, but can I pray for you right now? And the amazing thing is that when you pray, it doesn't have to be some elegant words. It doesn't have to be some great thing. It's simply you just lifting them up. And maybe it's just simply saying, God, would you be with this person? Would you heal their brokenness? Would you walk alongside them? It doesn't have to be anything fancy, but learn to pray with them right there, right now. And I believe, if we really believe that God is who he says he is, that he can heal, that he can bring people joy, that he can actually work in the midst of people's lives, then our job is to lift them up in prayer. So I challenge you this week to try this. Live with eyes wide open. And when you do, you'll see heartbreak around you this week. You'll see it. It doesn't mean that you have to fix them. But it means that you can pray for them. And I would encourage you to do it then, in that moment. Because God is a God who hears us when we pray. Maybe for some of you, you walked in this place today, and you would say, that's me, Joel. I'm, I'm so broken right now. I'm, I'm such a mess. Can I just encourage you at the end of the service in just a moment to come forward? There will be people down here who will pray for you. I'll be down here if you need prayer. I, I would love to pray with you because I believe we serve a God who hears us when we pray. And you can receive that prayer. The first step for all of us before any of this is understanding that there is a God who loves you so much. And maybe for some of you, you're here today and you would say, man, I'm so broken, I'm such a mess, but you don't even have that relationship with God. I want to invite you to make that decision today, to give your life to God, maybe for the first time to rededicate it. In fact, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me just for the, the sake of everybody around you? 
maybe you're here today and you would say, I've never given my life to Christ and God is speaking to you today about that. Maybe for some of you, you're here today and you, at one point in your life, you, you did surrender your life to him, but you've wandered away and God is speaking to you today to rededicate your life to him. My promise is I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to make you stand up, I'm not going to make you come down front, but I'd love to pray with you right where you're at. So if that's you and you say, Joe, I want to give my life to Christ for the first time, and I want to rededicate my life, would you just raise your hand and make eye contact with me? With every head bowed, if that's you, just go ahead and do that right now. You say, I want to do that today. I want to give my life to Christ for the first time, or I want to rededicate my life. If that's you, just go ahead and raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you right now. You know, it's not even about raising a hand. And so, you know, maybe you're here today and you'd say, I, I want to do that, but Joe, I'm, I'm nervous to raise my hand. Again, it's about going to God. And you can do that right now in the quietness yard. Just say, God, right now I'm asking that you come into my life, that you forgive me of my sins, God. God, I want to give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. And Father, right now I just lift up us as a church, God. I, I pray, Father, that this week as we go through our week, as we go through our days, God, may we, may we live with eyes wide open. May we see the things that you desire for us to see. May we see the brokenness in people. And may we become aware of it. God, we love you and we thank you for how good you are. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and all of his people said, amen. You guys have a great week. If you do need prayer, there'll be people down front that would love to pray with you.